0: Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. I want to begin by asking you a favor, which I've done the last couple of episodes, and that is, if you have not done so already, could you please go to the Cold Shower Podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review? We're really trying to gather up as many ratings and reviews as we can in order to more effectively attract future guests. That's going to really be an efficient and positive way for you guys to play a role and ensuring us getting future guests. It's that simple. And we're also on Spotify, which is a newer development. So we're under the same name on the Spotify app, The Cold Shower Podcast. If that is your preferred method of listening to podcasts, then do it up. We're there as well. All right, on to our sponsor for the episode. This episode is brought to you by The Boardman Review. And we go into much more detail of what that is in this episode, as I have both of the co-creators on with me. Um, But essentially what it is, it's a journal that highlights the creative culture and outdoor lifestyle of Northern Michigan. So if you are a Northern Michigan lifestyle fan, not a lifestyle fan, if you just love Northern Michigan um, and the lifestyle that comes with it, or even just a fan of creative people that are out there making a difference in the world, then this is a publication for you. You can buy hard copies of it, which I would recommend doing because they are super high quality, and it's just kind of a collector's item, like something that you're going to want to keep around for a long time. Or something that they've done that I can hardly believe is they offer this subscription for free, F-R-E-E, online at theboardmanreview.com. And there you'll be able to read essays from the people that they're featuring in that issue, as well as um, excellent photography that they have in there as well. And then films that they include as part of the issue too, which would only be available obviously um, on the digital subscription. But these guys are really doing some awesome stuff. And it's so important, I think, what they're doing in the sense that they're highlighting normal everyday people that are out doing really cool things. So whether that's people who write poetry or people that take photographs or people who are helping the environment, they're the ones that are featuring these people in their publication as well as even making short films about them. And so they're just doing some awesome stuff, and they're people um, that I'm really starting to look up to as well. And a little bonus um, is that in their newest issue that will be coming out in early December, so like as soon as next week, I'll um, have an essay of mine in there as well, and I'm really excited about that and so fortunate that they gave me a chance to kind of share why I created this whole podcast and what my mindset was behind that. And what I'm really excited and thankful for and the reason why I feel so indebted to these guys is because they gave me um, new people and a different platform in which to share The things that I want to share and the things that I think are important to people's uh, personal development and growth as we all just kind of seek to relate to one another and live in a happier world, really. And that's what that's what I want to do. And these guys are really contributing to that as well. Um, So in this episode, just to give a little brief overview and then we'll get into it. I have two brothers on and they're the co-creators of the Boardman Review. But before that, they were involved in some really cool stuff as far as screenwriting and filmmaking They've spent some time in New York where they went to college. Uh, They've lived in L.A. um, doing things like interviewing Andy Samberg, um, writing for travel shows, some shows that you've probably seen yourself. Um, Even within the last couple years, one of them uh, had worked on filming of the Larry Nassar documentary. And if you're at all familiar with the Larry Nassar um, stuff that has gone on the last couple of years and just how high profile of a case that was, um, that was something that one of them covered in a documentary, and then the other brother actually helped sift through some of that footage, and just as they shared kind of how difficult that was, but, but validating and rewarding in the same sense as they knew it was something that needed to get out there. So essentially, these guys are just awesome. They've done and been involved in a lot of really cool projects, and so I hope that you guys really um, take some time to listen to this episode and enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. I have two guests with me today, uh, brothers Nick and Chris Loud, and I first heard about them because my brother-in-law sent me a link to their publication, and we're going to get into that publication specifically um, a little later in the episode, but he sent it to me. He thought it would be something that I would be interested in, and he was right. Um, I read a lot of those um, issues that they've put out, watched some of their videos, that they've created as well it was definitely something that I was interested in and was lucky enough to meet with these guys and have them um, come talk to me specifically because behind any great project um, is always interesting people and so we're gonna talk to them today about kind of some things that they've done in the past maybe how they got started and some of their creative ventures what's going on now and then also what the future looks like for some of this stuff too so let's start uh, with an introduction whoever wants to go first can and say a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll go from there. All right, well, uh, my name's Chris. I'm the older brother of the two.
1: Um, I uh, am technically, what, the executive editor of the Board and Review? Yeah, we had to make up great. titles for us. Yeah. Uh, very, <laughs> it's just the two official. of us. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, my background is is kind of the, the writing end of things. Um, so, hence the executive editor part. Um, But yeah, I'm uh, five years older than Nick uh, and we started the publication uh, just about a year and a half ago.
2: Um, And I'm Nick. Um, I'm quote unquote the creative director, Um, though I think our roles are fairly interchangeable to a certain extent. Um, I'm mainly focusing on the kind of visual um, aspects of the publication and a lot of the video and um, photography work that's involved. Um, My background is mainly in documentaries, so a lot of that has influenced um, kind of what I'm adding to the mix. Um, And I think we both have a very similar um, style of storytelling, um, so I think that's worked really well, and we kind of both fill um, our our roles um, that we enjoy and that we identify with. Chris likes to think that we look the same age. So I'm surprised he uh, gave it away that he was five years older. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: I like to play the game when we go out and ask people who they think is older. Uh, and man. I yeah. And I win a lot. <laughs> yeah. I always yeah, which I always super psyched about Yeah, I always
2: <laughs> get older or same age. You get same age most of the al- time.
1: It's always a defeat for me. Usually. It's really yeah, yeah They yeah. never choose they well that I did not say never. There's probably been a couple of times where they think I'm the younger brother. Right? Yeah. That's happened a few times. But more often than not, it's are you guys twins? You're the same age yeah. or Nick is older. Right. Well
2: I think yeah, a lot of that came from me just wanting to hang out with Chris growing up. So me wanting to act older mm-hmm. look older, be older. Yeah. Um, you did so, always kind
1: of act older than you were.
2: Yeah. I think it was very purposeful. Yeah. Um, and so I think that finally like got fully ingrained in myself. And so um, yeah. now I just, yeah, am, you know, yeah. Um, that way well so. you had to pretend <laughs> sure. to be a college kid in yeah, high school exactly. when you visited me in
1: college there you go. Yeah. Yeah. so that makes sense no there was that very was the, the um, very
2: key um, goals in mind yeah. um, with that uh, but yeah I think in general um, I will say it's Chris's fault that I yeah. um, now act and maybe look older I hope
1: not <laughs> you also dress better so that might be part of it too That you look like you're more in control of what you have going on, (laughs) (laughs) which I guess makes you it seem older. Yeah,
2: but it's all it's all you know. It's all an act. It's all an act.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you've been you've been trying to pull that off for for many years. Now i I hope it's not. It is a maturity
1: thing though on my end though. I don't know. I'm less mature. Though
2: yeah, I feel like now that. we're getting a little bit older. We we are starting to be like, all right, maybe we should start shifting towards acting and looking younger instead of both acting less. and looking older. Yeah. You know? Right. So we're both um, starting to get less yeah. sure. <laughs> Which maybe, is fine. Maybe we'll just always be thirty yeah. for yeah, like I the went, next yeah. like fifteen years. I'd <laughs> be alright yeah. with that, I think. Yeah. You once you just,
1: hit, yeah, once you hit 30 and then you go beyond, you're like, 30 was pretty good, but let's, can we just hang out at 30? Yeah. Right. And not right, go any we'll further. Just, yeah. Yeah. Let's you know, let's just hang, hang out right here for it's a bit. It's a pretty good spot, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, before you guys hit the ages that you are, um, <laughs> where, like, how did you get your start? And we can stick with you going first, Chris. Like. Mm-hmm. So you, you said you're um, involved in a lot of writing and you've done um, that for a career. Mm-hmm. So when did you first get your start? Was it always something of interest or did it stem from later, like in high school, or what happened? It was kind of always an interest going
1: back to about high school. Um, but I went, I took it different ways. I took it all over the place. Um, originally, writing was going to be something that um it was more of like entering into college it was I was going to write the you know next great American novel and then I discovered that I liked to act a little bit um I took a drama class in college that I had to take for a requirement but then ended up enjoying it so I started writing for the theater and then became a, a theater major um a drama major at Kenyon College and uh so at that point, I was thinking my writing would be for the stage. It would be, I'd be a playwright, uh, which sort of morphed into screenwriting. I, I started to, uh, I met some people that were, that were actors in New York, and uh, we started to work on a screenplay instead of a play. It started from a play first that we met uh, over, and then we moved into writing a screenplay. And then I moved to LA <laughs> because of that screenplay. Okay, um, because there was a little bit of interest, and he, and a friend of mine, who my writing partner, had a brother out there in LA. Um, so we were like, let's go out there. So it, along the way, the I always wanted to write, but it kind of it, it morphed uh, pretty consistently. And then in order to make money, while I was trying to to. Um, you know write screenplays and and other things Uh, I discovered that I could do a little bit of travel writing and some other things so I started to develop a bit of a travel writing background Um, it's just kind of seemed like where I could get some work so I did a fair amount of that blogs and and online magazines and and, uh, things like that and um, a little bit of uh, work with uh, some short story writing occasional small things published here and there but Mostly the two tracks were trying to be screen, a screenwriter, using travel writing uh, to, make, to make money, and a little bit of sports writing mixed in there. Okay. And that led um, essentially up to kind of where we are now. I still am a travel writer. Um, I do that on the side. Um, and the boardman kind of meshed. Um, I did end up writing for uh, a travel TV show. So that quite literally put together the two mm-hmm. things um, the, the show was a travel show, and I was writing scripts for the voiceover. Um, so that was kind of a combination of the screenwriting background and essentially just format <laughs> purposes and storytelling in, a, in that kind of uh, world, but with the tra- with travel being the subject. Um, so that kind of led to writing for you know documentary work, mm-hmm. which uh, is what I kind of do now for okay. the uh, the video work that we do um when we have interviews or things like that i develop the script for the for the you know for the editor who was my brother okay <laughs> so uh so we know kind of how to tell the story weave the story um from the content that we've we've
0: shot so yeah
1: that's kind of the path that it took to get to here okay yeah
0: yeah and um i guess i assume that you know a lot of other writers so is it have you found that like other writers excel in multiple areas so you talked about like you wanted to write a book and then it was screenplays and then you did some stuff for television like are they all kind of able to be multifaceted or are you one of the few that can jump around
1: i think a lot of people can do it they but they don't i think that um finding if you have a story in you and you want to find the right place for it is the most difficult part of writing when you have a little bit of knowledge of the different mediums that you can approach. So it can make it very difficult, which is why a lot of people specialize, I think. Um, uh, a lot of that, too, is just, especially for screenwriters, it's just a love for film mm-hmm. that draws them to screenwriting. And and they want to be a writer uh, for the film because they're film fans, not because they're necessarily... Uh, not necessarily because they love writing okay so sometimes those can be those can be two separate Mm -hmm. um, disciplines i guess but if you're a writer that wants to write kind of short stories or or novels that's when it can really branch out into Mm -hmm. a lot of different directions yeah Yeah.
2: and i think some writers who write novels or short stories do um, if they get lucky eventually write some screenplays as well so i think that's pretty interchangeable
1: to yeah a I, certain would, extent. I would say screenwriting is kind of always in the back of mind yeah. of a lot of it's lot always of the, writers
2: it's always kind of the dream and or the i don't
1: know it's the dream and also the thing that you want to pretend that you don't want to do Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. want to write you know every every writer <laughs> it seems like most writers want to write a novel that's that's their end goal mm-hmm. maybe yeah. not until they're you know retired or something but um yeah, Jim Harrison's never gonna say that he wrote some
2: screenplays, but he did. But he did. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> but
1: yeah, but once you get to that point, you write novels. You you the screenwriting aspect is like beneath you in a way, okay. even though for a lot of people, that's the that's the end goal. Right. Yeah, and I think that's
2: changing a little bit more, especially with the kind of golden age of TV that we're, I think we're still in, um, at this point. Yeah, and you're yeah. getting people like Jillian
1: um, Flynn who's
2: writing. You know, stuff just for TV. Yeah.
1: Um, I think you're getting a lot of uh, writers who would normally write a great novel writing TV series because they can dive deeper into the right. story that way. Okay. Instead of finishing it off in, you know, 105 to 120 pages of, uh, you know, of a script, they can uh, they can have, it can be episodic, so they can write pages and pages and pages, uh and it would be more equal to a novel or even a series
0: mm-hmm. of novels. So. Yeah, I'd heard that, I can't remember what I was listening to, but it talked about just like how rom-coms are kind of on the down slope simply because people would rather go to Netflix and watch like seasons of a show that they can connect with characters over the course of 10, 20 episodes right. rather mm-hmm. than you know just barely getting to know somebody over an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, so I think that, I don't know, that's presenting different opportunities or changing the game a little bit too, probably.
1: Yeah, well, you can see it in what, what is being put out there. I mean, you don't really see a lot of, of <coughs> rom-coms or even even comedies, just comedies, straight comedies that have come out that are um, of, a, of a certain quality. More people are, are, yeah, they're going deeper. If they have a good concept for a comedy, you're almost more likely to see it Yeah, Um, you look at people, even from Judd Apatow to like Mark Duplass. These, you know, people who are well established in their different ends of the spectrum of, you know, comedy writing or something, they are doing TV now uh, because they have more flexibility and and uh, in the story they can go deeper and and spend time on the characters, things that they weren't able to do necessarily in a in a film, right.
0: So, Nick, what about for you? Like, how did you get your start? Are you involved in writing, too, or is it more from, like, another, the other aspect of films, or what does it look like, and how'd you start?
2: Um, I think, yeah, overall, uh, I think I always would like, would like to think that I could write, but I probably am sure I can't. Um, That's so not that, necessarily true. Well, yeah, probably because I just need to try it at some point. Um, but I've always identified with the visual aspect of it, and... Um, whether that's still images or moving images, um, so like film and TV or documentaries <clears throat> or photography. Um, I think honestly, like m- my kind of path was a slightly later than Chris's. Um, I think I was always interested in film and TV, like early on, even in high school, but I went to college also Kenyon college. Um, five years later uh, with the idea that I was going to be pre-med potentially pre-vet uh, okay. like you know veterinary school um, which uh, sounds very foreign to me now that I mention it but that's where I was when I was entering
1: college mm-hmm. Um he was kind of an animal whisperer when he was yeah, a kid so st- still, still I should say still <laughs> yes yeah. yeah, come, come on let my dog on. in after this yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah we always <laughs> yeah. figured that that was your path but
2: Yeah, and um, I think once I got to Kenyon College, um, it's a liberal arts school, so you're kind of required to take a variety of courses, and I think my exposure to Chris and him being in the drama department and kind of knowing those professors that are there, um, some very kind of... um, uh, very, you know, indelible... Is that the right word? (laughs) I don't know. I don't um, know what you're trying to say. Basically, there were a few professors in the drama slash film department that um, were very good at what they did and, and would really connect with their students. And yeah. I think I identified with that immediately. And I was, They were
1: larger-than-life type characters yeah, that were Yeah, and I think it was,
2: it was something that, like, it was hard for it not to make an impact on you. Mm. Um, and I think through that process, by the end of my freshman year, I was like... You know, forget pre med, forget that route because yeah. that would be terrible. Forget the really <laughs> smart way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, the really like smart, stable, um, <laughs> more lucrative way. Um, yeah, you know, let's go, let's go about this film route. Um, so basically, I became uh, a film major um, and uh, kind of went about that route. Took more. Film classes, a few writing classes. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but they didn't have a film major.
2: Yeah, they didn't have a film major, which is the w- why I was kind of hesitating when I was t- just mentioning that. <laughs> um, basically, they were putting together a film department, film major. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of like in the process. But like they kind of recruited me to like help shape the film major. Mm-hmm. But I was never actually an official part of the yeah, film major. We're gonna
0: get that piece of paper with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I ended up creating what was called a synoptic major, which you combine two different um, um, majors or departments and create your own major that you then get approved by the provost and you set up all the classes Mm. that you're going to have for the rest of your time in college. So it was a a big undertaking, but very well worth it for myself. So I did a a psychology and film uh, synoptic major um, because I identified with psychology i think mainly in terms of um which i think has come in handy in a lot of ways but in terms of storytelling it was very much of like you know it, as a director especially um you kind of need to think about okay where is the character coming from what is the thought process like you know what is their uh, philosophy towards um the scene you know what is their kind of um mindset Um, and a lot of that um, was really interesting to kind of learn about through psychology Um, and so i was able to kind of combine those in a way that i thought was interesting and i made a um, thesis uh, short film along with like a psychology um, academic paper with it Um, and that was kind of like my senior you know thesis project and I think through that process um, and being involved in kind of this Groundworks um, creation of the film department, um, I, I definitely caught the bug. Um, and I uh, really enjoyed the filmmaking um, experience um, and kind of that storytelling aspect of it. Um, yeah, and then um, I luckily graduated and, uh, and then even more luckily had, uh, an opportunity to work on a independent film that was being shot at Kenyon right after I graduated, oh, like nice. a month after I graduated. <laughs> so very lucky. Um, uh, this guy named Josh Radner, who was in a, a TV show called how I met your mother is also a Kenyan okay. grad, um, and came back, um, to shoot, uh, independent film at the college on campus and um, I was lucky enough to be in the camera department um, and kind of be involved in that production and it was a good um, introduction into the film world and into being on set and into kind of just the whole machine of it all Um, and through that process I made some really key connections um, which in the long run is, you know, one of the most important things is kind of just who can you meet, who can you get to know, who can you be you know, friends with, who can you impress, who can you you know um, kind of um, connect with in a way that um, you can then maybe collaborate or work together with or they could pass you on to someone else. Um, so one of the producers on that film then um, set me up for uh, an interview for an internship um, at a production company in LA. Um, and I moved to Los Angeles. Chris was already out there. Um, and I worked for a few uh, production companies as an intern um, for a bit. And um, through those connections, I landed at um, like a full-time job at a production co- company called the Kennedy Marshall Company. Um, and uh that was kind of like that was kind of like the turning point i think was landing at that production company um, and kind of um, starting to work with people um, within that production company specifically um, this person who was heading up the documentary department Um, and through that process i started doing some editing work, some producing work, um, kind of here and there. we just had this really good working relationship and good connection. Um, and he ended up hiring me into the department. Um, and so we became this kind of two, you know, um, two man team in terms of the documentary department. Um, and through that, uh, experience, um, I worked on some projects, um, some, short documentaries for espn like part of their 30 for 30 series and um a couple feature films uh, feature documentary films um that um you know one ended up on or a couple ended up on netflix and Mm um and then kind of through all of that experience um Working with him and working with other producers and on other projects, it kind of felt, um, you know, like I was at a point where I wanted to, um, you know, to progress in a way um, that meant that I couldn't stay at the company. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a tough realization, um, but something that I'm incredibly thankful for is that experience of working with, um, with that production company and then having the opportunity to actually then go out on my own and be freelance and uh, um, yeah and then that was two years ago I made that choice to go freelance and um, still been working with that production company on certain projects and started working with other producers and, and then um, did some travel um, it, in general because I felt the need to do that. and hadn't done that before and wanted to um, explore that option and Kind of through the, through being freelance and traveling, and um, you know, kind of focusing on what I wanted to do, um, and kind of like projects for myself. Um, I, I you know was kind of developing this idea for um, a publication that was a multimedia-based, mm-hmm. um, Northern Michigan-based, um, something that would celebrate. Um, local characters um, local um, you know organizations companies and whatnot I think it was very much spawned from my um, quote-unquote homesickness uh, being in LA for six years Mm -hmm. um, and wanting to kind of like you know dream about um, northern Michigan and um, you know kind of like think about all those people Um, that we've, you know, gotten to know over the years and how great would it be to kind of really explore their story. Um, And so through that kind of um, process, um, you know, and talking with Chris and kind of really developing the concept, we came up with the Boardman Review. Nice.
0: Yeah, so there's been, like, evolution with both of your guys' stories, and that's what I found just through interviewing, you know, the variety of people that I've interviewed um, is that, like, these people that have these creative bones in their body or are like seeking autonomy, so want to get out and start to really do your own thing. It's like you're always moving from one thing to the next and seeking like that next project. And I'm really excited for what you guys have going on right now because I think, um, and we'll talk about it more later, but that you're really providing opportunities for other people too, and, and ones that I'm definitely thankful for um, as well. So let's save that for for a little bit down the line, I want to ask first, um, was there like a moment you guys have done some really interesting projects and been some really interesting places. So was there like a moment that you guys can remember? You're just like, got to take a breath and were like, wow, I can't believe I'm working on this, or I can't believe I just met this person, or I can't believe I'm where I am right now. Was there ever a moment like that for either of you guys?
1: Um, I guess I had one early on and then sort of one later, but Early on, when I was uh, living in New York, I was my th- my thesis project was working on a, um, developing a, a screenplay out of a short story written by a writer named uh, Davey Rothbart, and he developed uh, this publication called Found Magazine, uh, which basically. The concept is you uh, find little pictures or notes on the ground literally and uh, each one might tell their own story. so and the magazine was a collection of that kind of a collage and it was a really brilliant idea and he was and he, but he was also a really great short story writer. So after, after college after I kind of met him through that process uh, he, Uh, we got into contact about working on, they were doing an anthology for the found magazine. And he brought me on to kind of, uh, to interview some people um, who had their own stories of something that they found that influenced their life, like literally something they found and then how that affected their life moving forward. So, um, and he threw me a couple of names that were, that were really cool to be able to uh, interview um, there was a point where I interviewed this um, this journalist who was uh, sta- stationed in the Middle East. He was a former uh, uh, he was in the military and then he, he was basically turned journalist. And his name was Michael Yon, <coughs> and he uh, he was working over there at the time that I interviewed him. So I had to interview him in the middle of the night, <laughs> essentially um on he was on some kind of satellite phone uh situation and I was uh speaking with him I think it was that's through Skype at the time um or something similar and that was really that was uh, a point where I was interviewing somebody that I knew right then that I was out of I was not in the, the right league mm-hmm. <laughs> to be interviewing this person um so that was a moment, and then I also was able to interview uh, Andy Samberg when he was on SNL at the time, mm-hmm. which was cool, and a couple other people, and sort of uh, structure their stories for them for this this anthology. So that was a, that was a, like an early on point that that was that was a pretty cool moment to be okay. I can I can step up my game a little bit to. Right. To, to pretend to be at the level of some mm-hmm. of these people. That's what um, we're all doing. It's yeah. Just pretending. I right? had to pretend really quick. Yeah. Uh, I think I was 20. It's just about how well you can pretend. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was 22 or three at the time. Wow. Um So then later on um, in LA, I think it was about the time that I, I, I started working for the um, TV production company that, um, and I was actually getting to work on... Uh, you know episodes that were that people could watch, things that people could see on TV, and that was uh, and seeing my name in the credits and things like that. That was something that that was sort of a turning point because a lot of times it was a short. Fi- you know before that it was some travel writing and some and some short films and some festivals and you know it was it was more you know friends and family mm-hmm. level <laughs> stuff. When doing having a blast doing short films with with some of my friends, um, but this was a point where. It was steady work, and it was uh, it was uh, not only a good experience because I learned how to jump into the producer role at that point, um, from writing to producing, but also the chance to just say, "I did this, and there it is." Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it's airing Saturday at this time, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was another another point mm-hmm. that I feel like was a, a bit of a turning point.
0: Yeah, and I'll like explain kind of how i feel about that i'm certainly not at the level of getting andy Sandberg on anytime soon but it's like he, you never know right, right. yeah, yeah I mean, he can you can introduce me to him yeah, right um
1: <laughs> no i can't <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah. that, he will no doubt have no clue that this thing even even <laughs> happened he's he's a little remember that any of it happened he's probably a little busy yeah <laughs> yeah i would think um but how or he's listening right now or he's listening yeah. right now? Hmm. you never know I'm gonna take that route. I'll think that's the best. take. Now I'm more nervous.
0: How's it going, Andy? (laughs) Yeah, love your work. (laughs) Uh, um, But just like how with these creative projects, that those things like having your name in the credits or getting to meet these people isn't like the driving force. At least for me, like the passion is the driving force. But that doesn't mean that those instances aren't like still like an awakening or like good to have happen. Yeah. So it's, it's neat to be able to like take a breath and look back at some of the things you've done probably
1: in this. When when you're following paths like this, it's it's good to have a little bit of validation. A Right. And uh, it's, it's, it, it kind of keeps you going mm-hmm. while that passion is still fueling it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it, it can validate the time you spent on it. But it also, like I said, it kind of forces you to bump up a level of what you're doing when I was hired to be a writer for these TV shows, uh, they also were like, you can probably produce, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. Mm, I'll figure <laughs> and it out. And I, I had never really produced anything beyond, like I said, some short films. Yeah. So and this was on a whole other level. So it, it was a great moment to see my name in the credits as a writer. Uh, and then, but also was like, okay, I can do that. Mm. and I think I can do this next step. It sort of just threw me into the fire. Yeah. Um, so it's it's inspiring and it provides that validation but also sort of a forceful
0: like okay, I can right. hang I can
1: hang in this spot so I should keep going
0: for yeah. that. So yeah. that's cool. Nick, what about for you has there been like a aha moment or something that you were able to pat yourself on the back for? Um Yeah, I mean, I think
2: outside of the board review thinking about like specific projects um there's probably there's one that i think for me was like my kind of defining moment while i was working for um the production company in la um, and working with kind of like my mentor in terms of documentaries um, was this feature film called finding oscar um, which i helped produce and edit Um, and it was probably the longest um most involved project that I had been a part of to date, um, and it took about two years to work on, um, and it was an experience that was kind of a, it was very difficult at times, but very rewarding um, at other times. It was a it's a you know a very difficult subject. Basically, it's um, a story about a massacre survivor um, from the early 1980s in Guatemala um, and the search for um, this boy, who was the survivor at the time, um, who uh, eventually made his way to the U.S. from Guatemala, mm-hmm. um, and kind of the current-day search for this person who escaped the massacre—we know made to the U.S., but we don't know where he is—and right. um, so. A lot of my kind of role was like going through archival, was, you know, um, working on kind of getting that together for uh, the lead editor, um, was kind of like thinking about the shoots and kind of producing that aspect of it. Um, and so when we were kind of getting to the point of, uh, you know, near the finish line, so once we were at that finish line, we you know submitted to film festivals, and we were lucky enough to get into the Telluride Film Festival to premiere, um, hmm. which was a very um, you know was very significant for the project as one of the better film festivals to be at. Yeah. Um, and once we were at that point, um, Steven Spielberg actually came on as an executive producer. Wow. Um, and we, at that point, we were also putting together that kind of like, this is the, the title sequence at the beginning. Um, and this is very like kind of minor in terms of the film itself. But as we were putting that title se- sequence together, I was, you know, lucky enough to be in that title sequence. And then the very next frame, Steven Spielberg's name came up. And just kind of having that realization that I am truly working on a project that Steven Spielberg is a part of as well, was like very surreal at the time and something that um, was very validating, like kind of Chris said earlier, in terms of like all that work that I had done yeah. over the last couple of years. Um, and I think something that um, was kind of just one of those moments where you're like, oh... This mm-hmm. is a real project. This is something <laughs> yeah. legit. This is something that, like, um, you know, ha- has been a, a passion project for so long that you know you kind of lose you kind of lose that end goal and lose that lay at the end of the tunnel. But then seeing that um, was kind of just validating and rewarding in 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 and of itself. Um, and then having the premiere and tell your ride um, and and just kind of. Having that atmosphere, like the film festival atmosphere is obviously always um, a very unique one and and just kind of having that experience felt very kind of like full circle and like a lot of people were involved with the film were there and so um, that was definitely kind of one of those moments where I was like, you know, I'm a part of something that's larger than myself, something that um, was hopefully doing good um, for the world. And also something that um, I'm incredibly proud of um, mm. with people that I'm very proud to be working with. Um, so I think that was probably like uh, definitely a defining moment um, uh, you know in the last few years. And then I think the kind of the craziest moment that I've been a part of recently, but also a very um, interesting one has been um, last winter. Uh, after the, yeah, last winter, I um, went down to Lansing to shoot the um, trials for Larry Nassar. Um, who's, uh, uh, Larry Nassar was an Olympic um, gymnast doctor at mm-hmm. Michigan State um, who was co- um, convicted for um, sexual assault basically on um, um, hundreds of cases. And um, I went down there for the trials that were happening in Lansing. Um, And kind of being part of that um, movement and that kind of media storm was very interesting because I was in this unique role of going down there as a documentary filmmaker um, that I was rolled into the media just because Mm. I had a camera and mics and stuff. But I was also shooting the media as well and covering that aspect Uh and covering kind of the media frenzy that was surrounding it. So it was this weird kind of like... um, third level that there was the trial that was happening there was the media and there was me Mm -hmm. and um it was by far the, the craziest and and hardest um experience that I've been a part of in terms of um documentary filmmaking um and it was something that uh you know I still think about um even almost a year later um and I think something that, you know, obviously has completely changed kind of the framework of uh, a lot of people's mindsets um, and but very proud to be a part of that project and very proud um, to say that it'll it'll be on HBO in 2019. And hopefully a lot of people will be able to kind of see that and um, be able to learn from it. So, um yeah. that's probably the most recent kind of. Um, not, I wouldn't say a hot moment, but you
0: know, yeah. Large moment. Yeah. 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 I was, um, excited to hear that that would be coming out in 2019. And so I'm, I'm excited to watch that film. Um, just it's stupid, but my connection to Michigan state is Michigan state athletics. Like I like watching their basketball team and their football team and then just being inundated with all these sad stories that had Mm -hmm. been coming from that university and the magnitude of that, um, kind of hard to even speak on because it was such a like a horrific thing that had taken place over so many years but um the importance of some of the stuff that you guys have done in terms of film and storytelling um is just really needed because there's a lot of a lot of things that need to get it get out there and so this would probably be a good time to transition to uh the boardman review and so you guys one of the commonalities has just been storytelling in general and so um that's really been what this project is all about right so can you guys explain for listeners what exactly the Boardman Review is and, and what all it entails so
2: the Boardman Review is a print and digital um, journal based in northern Michigan uh, it's a quarterly um, we're about to release our sixth issue so we've been around for a little bit over a year um, and <clears throat> it incorporates uh, photography Um, short fiction, poetry, profiles on nonprofits, um, breweries, restaurants, um, local artists, um, people who are creating podcasts in our area, um, per se, Um, and just generally northern Michigan stories. Um, And the print version uh, we sell in certain bookstores, and the digital version we have um, as a um, free subscription that we send out to email subscribers. Um, and the, the digital version includes um, documentaries, music, podcasts, per se, um, um, and, and kind of just it more inhabits the multimedia aspect that we're going for in terms of the publication. Um, and so with each issue, we have an issue launch. Um, and so that's where we show the documentaries. Usually we create two to three documentaries with each issue, um, whether they're on nonprofits or with um, for-profit companies, um, or we highlight other you know, film, filmmakers. Um, and so during the launch, we show um, videos. We have live readings. We um, have music sometimes. We have people there who um, bring in their artwork or um, you know, their crafts and, and, and whatnot. Um, and you, we usually try to have it at um, an establishment that's in, you know, in the area, um, usually Traverse city. Um, so we had our last one at earth and Nails um, in October, um, which was a really fun, um, event and, and, a great opportunity. We had our first, um, launch with earth and Nails. um, about a year and a half ago and uh it it was really cool i I, we had a really good first issue launch but it was really cool to kind of um get that perspective from where we were for our our first Mm -hmm. launch to our our fifth um and and just the the energy that we had on that um issue five launch was was um really exciting and um it, it felt like um, it was a good turning point for us in terms of um, connecting with uh, the the community and connecting with, with new um, you know new viewers and, and a new audience.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was at that event. That was the because um, I, I hadn't known about you guys. I'm new to the area, so I hadn't known before that. And then I made sure to get to that event and things like that are so cool because you it's one of those few times where you can just walk into like a room and know that you have something in common with nearly everybody in the room, which is an appreciation for either A, Northern Michigan, or just an appreciation for creativity and original ideas and all these things that go into this project that you guys are talking about. So I could say it was an awesome event, um, and I'm excited for the next one, um, too.
2: We're not twisting his arm. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: It, was, it was really cool,
1: like Nick said, um, to see. We were... We were kind of literally in the same had the same perspective physical perspective of the room from our first launch to our to this our fifth, our fifth launch yeah. at Earth yeah. Nails so it was pretty cool to see it was a direct like <laughs> comparison yeah we had the same yeah. view of the situation um and you know we, we, <clears throat> we presented everything in kind of a similar way first first release was like Nick said it was great we had a nice little turnout <laughs> Uh, and but sort of more of a subdued audience trying to learn what we we're doing, not really sure what's going on, you know, very, very new, you know. Um, but then the second this the second time at the, the at Earth and Ales for the fifth release was more of the atmosphere that we've been going for this whole time. Um, it was it was casual but respectful and like and, and lots of engagement from the audience and um, much bigger audience with uh, just from that uh, res- yeah. uh, respect. So, and yeah, it was cool. I, yeah, and I
2: think uh, uh, what was really satisfying for that issue launch was that we, when we were kind of, we kind of have our like quote unquote program for the evening where we have, you know, we show a couple, we show videos, we have the live readings um, and whatnot, but then we kind of carve out time to just you know be there and hang out and and hopefully you know connect with each other um and and kind of talk to each other and hopefully people who are there can ask questions with some of the subjects who are part of some of the stories and it just felt like people were sticking around people were having conversations people were really asking questions and 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 meeting new people um and i think that's really cool and and a lot what we really want is for that to hopefully lead to more collaborations and more, um, you know, opportunities that um, are even completely outside of the Boardman mm-hmm. review. Um, and like you had your, you know, encounter with with May, mm-hmm. which was kind of a cool connection yeah. um, to it all that happened. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are getting really quality um, people to be featured in those um, publications, and so I've connected with a couple of couple of the people that were featured in them since um i first met you guys so i had may and spencer um on the podcast and i hope to connect with joe um buyer too yeah, the idea yeah. agitator what an interesting guy um <laughs> yeah, he is who, I who
2: killed it at the yeah he basically he basically did a stand-up routine he came up yeah, the thing but he was, um, he
1: was slaying with laughs yeah he so did a really good job because most <laughs> of the time it's like not you know we're, we're featuring some heavier subjects nonprofits yeah. things like that some lighter stuff here and there, yeah. but that was, I think, the first time that we had actual like laughter yeah. going yeah. on. You know, pretty consistent laughter. It was, it was nice. Yeah, though so BB and
2: the Leonel Conservancy um, that video got some good laughs yeah. too. Yeah, it was just Wh- overall the Daris. The- uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Oh, it, was um, it, was, it was great, and he's a great guy too. Uh, He's like I said. Like I said, at the release when I he calls himself an idea agitator, didn't really know what that meant, but until I met him, right? And then I yeah. was like, yes, he's yeah. an idea agitator. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah but cute. I mean, that's it's
2: the beauty of you know working on a pro- on like a outlet like this is that we meet these interesting people who continually kind of surprise you and impress you and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of show a different side of themselves. And, um, we haven't been disappointed by anyone, yeah. um, mm-hmm. that we've worked with. Um, cause I think people who, people, who, um, you know, make the choice to live here and really, um, you know, make the most of it, um, are very interesting, very, um, involved, talented, creative, um, People who you know have very intentional um, lives here in Northern mm-hmm. Michigan, and I think that's—I mean—it's incredibly interesting, and I think makes for luckily makes for great content for us. So. Yeah, I
1: mean, actually, one of the best examples still to this day is is uh, Earth and Ales. Uh, mm-hmm. They, um, the the couple Andrew and, and Jamie, um, they they we did a collaboration um, for our first issue. Um, and they wrote they wrote this great piece about their you know about their their company and, and about their brewery and and the brewing process and why they they became brewers and things like that. But they have this urban planning background, which is where they met when they went they were uh, at the University of Michigan, and they used uh, this this essentially a textbook from uh, their urban planning background to provide these sort of a sort of a structure. To their article we only knew a little bit that they had this this background so we get this piece sent to us expecting it to be you know about their brewery and about you know kind of a typical Mm -hmm. thing but when we read it it had this it had this beautiful connection with their uh urban planning background to the point where they were they quoted from this book uh, like a textbook, a, like text, a college textbook. Yeah, like and that. Yeah. I had, I had never heard of obviously, but uh, I looked it up and it it was it, it's you know seemingly a staple type textbook that I would assume most urban planners when they're studying have mm-hmm. to read at some point. So they referenced this book and it kind of provided the structure and the format to their article uh, and bringing it back around full circle. And that was, I think, a point. Speaking of turning points for the board review early on where we were like this this is what we were looking for uh, the kind of thing where this is what we intend but we don't actually think we don't know if it's going to happen we hope for it but we don't know what's going to happen and it it did happen we say and we believe that these people uh, in this area have these uh, this sort of uh, multi-layer background but we hadn't fully seen it uh, come to fruition until that point mm-hmm. and that yeah. was kind of a realization like okay we're doing this the right way yeah. we're, we, we think this will work
2: yeah and I think having um, you know trying our best to facilitate that type of um, expression is very key for us because we, we want to keep it open for people to really go to that next level and feel free to like be a little bit more philosophical be a little bit more um you know introspective and um and and kind of think back to their background and and think to kind of like why they got to a certain place that they are um and not just kind of going through the nuts and bolts of their you know job or
1: position or um art form Mm -hmm. you know something like that it's it's kind of the the way that the the beauty of the of the podcast situation Mm -hmm. where we're able to take the time and talk and have a conversation They're able to, instead of interviewing uh, the subject and just getting quick little sound bites for a small piece, um, they're able to take the time and tell their own story, um, which gives them a chance to take a, take an angle if they want to take that kind of angle, but if they just want to take the time to make sure they're telling their story the right way, mm-hmm. uh, who better to tell the story than themselves? So. Where we get those moments where they find a really interesting angle, or go all in on, on sort of a thesis or a philosophy that that uh, is parallel to what they're doing, or they just have a nice chance to tell their story, you know, in a in, a, in a, a succinct way, but like um, that it actually gives them the time to mm-hmm. flush it out, you know, yeah. to think about it and 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 say the right uh, to actually. Not be confined to Mm -hmm. um, one question, one answer. Yeah,
2: I think you know, along with uh, what I view in terms of like documentary filmmaking, in terms of like an interview or something like that, you want to keep it open ended enough that people can kind of, you know, run with it. But you need to frame it in a certain Mm -hmm. way or structure it in in a certain way. And so we try to provide that that outlet, that structure, um, but kind of keep it as open and as freeing as possible um and and that's so far um you know i think i think has ad- identified with with people especially yeah. our contributors
0: yeah. yeah and you guys have like a clear appreciation for people's ideas and their stories so you guys are like story agitators maybe yeah <laughs> exactly and, and when yeah. you when i was lucky enough to be asked to write for this next issue we had our meeting and then you had said you know within the next week or so, if you could send us an outline of kind of what you're thinking. And then at the end you'd said, or just write it and then send it over. And I had every intention when I left there being like, I'll send them a nice clean outline and yeah. they're going to love that. And then I started to write and it was like 3:30 in the morning that I woke up with my introduction and I wrote it out on my phone. And I guess that's just how those things work. And I was like, I'm so glad that these guys are just chill about it and that they're you know, just as well with um, accepting you know a draft, and then if I need to make changes from there, um, I can. But you guys have definitely figured out how to give people a direction, but like you said, not confine them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a specific it, area. It,
2: I think. Well,
0: my opinion is, if you're going to be
2: creative in a way that you're that you're satisfied with or proud of, you can't just. You know, you can you can. You know, kind of create the environment that you can be creative in, but you can you can't force it. Um, and, and forcing it, creativity can be can be precarious, um, yeah. um, and usually backfires. It's not um, genuine, then. Yeah, and, and it, um, so it it's really kind of more just like kind of creating that environment that hopefully, you know, um, um, you know, energizes the creativity to come about. But if we try to confine it too much, then it, it becomes like, you know, it becomes like an interview article or yeah. like a top ten list or something well, like that, where it's like just punching it out.
1: Yeah, and, and, and every every art every writer is different, and every uh, way uh, every story uh, can possibly have a different way of telling it. So, you can have an outline can be very helpful or very confining and very limiting. Um, so you know you can have go ahead oh well I was going to kind of like
2: um, talk about that concept works really well in terms of our filmmaking for our documentaries mm-hmm. um, because we kind of go into it thinking like alright like we'll be talking about these certain topics and whatnot, but the like, I think in general, the best documentaries are about something that um, happens organically and, like, kind of takes like a left turn um, or, or, like, a, a new aspect that gets involved into that documentary, like a character that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, and, and then we kind of, like, highlight that a little bit more and kind of, like, go into that aspect a little bit more. And I, I think a good recent example of that. Um, on a small scale, but I think a very kind of genuine, um, fun, you know, interesting scale is, is for the the Lelandaw Conservancy video. Um, we were we went over to Palmer Woods to meet with this guy who was building a trail. We had never met him before, um, and we didn't know where he was really going to be exactly. Palmer Woods is a 700 acres, so it's not like you're just going to like, you know, drive in and find him. Um, so we showed up and, you know, we're walking up the hill and we realized there's this like incredibly cute, really old lab <laughs> that is like struggling to get over like small sticks and like yeah. other stuff like brush in the woods. <laughs> And we're just like, oh my God, like this dog. And then you see the connection that this dog has with its owner. Mm-hmm. And you're in your heart like melts immediately. And you're like, oh man, like we gotta show this yeah. like, connection. We gotta show this relationship. Like, who cares about, you know, Palmer Woods and Leonardo Conservancy <laughs> at this point? Let's just yeah. make a documentary about these about this dog like this yeah. dog and his owner. Um and so we didn't throw out the other subjects but we did incorporate that into the storytelling aspect and, and it just it puts you know it puts like a you know a certain personality to the subject um, inherently when you kind of connect those dots and, and adds a little bit more heart and adds a little bit more you know um, engagement in terms of the viewer and so,
1: yeah I was going to say so for both writing and for documentary filmmaking there's you know basic fundamentals to have in place for when you start out, and then to fall back on, but like Nick said, it's best—it's best to let what is organic happen. So when you're writing, like you said, Taylor, to you—you've had an intro, and you—and you, and you follow that, and then maybe you fell back on, even if it was just an outline in your head, to continue that or something. Um, for the example of the Palmer Woods uh, piece, we went in with a basic idea of how it was going to be structured to tell the story of the Hall Conservancy's new project at Palmer Woods, and but then like an extent we we saw this interaction with, with oh with dog and owner, and but as storytellers you fall back on some fundamentals to understand how okay we can't make as much as we'd love to a documentary about a dog and its owner okay. when it's supposed to be about building a, a mountain bike trail, so we i especially went back to a concept uh, in screenwriting called save the cat that Blake Schneider developed and this was pretty as literal almost yeah. as literal save as save the dog yeah. it was like yeah so yeah. we knew that there was we could find purpose for this and not just be ridiculous and show way too much of this dog we could have a purpose for it and that was kind of establishing trust with this person who you know kind of literally is carving up a small portion of Leonel County he's mm-hmm. taking some machinery and he's building a trail um, and there was a bit of uh, there were some people that were uh, skeptical about that mm-hmm. um, and skeptical also that maybe he you know he was brought in from Marquette uh, uh, you know they were maybe skeptical of that as well so One thing that we had to do as uh, storytellers for this particular subject was to uh, establish his uh, both his experience and and kind of the reason why he was chosen for this project, but also just from a human level, you know, establish kind of a bit of of trust uh, from just from that that basic human level. And the dog situation provided that right away. Uh, Not something we planned, but it was a perfect way to kind of like. (laughs) <laughs> it was, a, it was a situation where you're watching that and you're like, well, how bad could this guy be? You mm-hmm. know, he's trying yeah. to do, you know, he, it, it, you immediately are like, Oh, this, this guy must be doing, must be at least, uh, thinking of trying to do the right thing, right. uh, in this, in this situation. Yeah. And that's what we try to do with a lot of the documentaries mm-hmm. is establish a trust with the subject <clears throat> and the viewer through just their basic human, uh, their, their life, what they do or their knowledge, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Uh, and another example is the the, the Grand Travers Regional Land Conservancy. We did a piece with them, and we were going to feature uh, this. Uh, uh, help me on the name of the Misty Acres. Misty Acres, <coughs> um, and the idea was just we wanted they wanted to feature this particular uh, uh, spot where it was a, it was a former farm um, that they had acquired, and they were starting to do some some. Uh, Different sort of experimental work there to uh, uh, come up with concepts for sustainable farming, things like that. So we went there and we followed this guy Vic Lane, who was uh, was someone who was uh, kind of curating that spot. Yeah, he, he worked for the. Yeah, Wild he was. He, yeah. Too. So we followed him around, and and our intention was just to kind of see the place uh, or be brought on a tour, essentially, by him. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, so we could shoot, you know, some B-roll of the area and, and, uh, learn more about the the spot, the location. But then we started to turn the camera on him a little bit more because he was extremely passionate, extremely knowledgeable. And, um, he had this kind of very casual, but extremely capable, uh, kind of, uh, manner about him. Mm -hmm. So and it became almost comical at at points where he would get to a spot like we went out to um this uh, wildflower meadow Mm -hmm. essentially and he started naming off all the different uh wildflowers and all the things that were planted and all the insects that were coming through just naming things constantly and he would do that at different places he would name the trees uh the different uh, animals and things like that (laughs) and it became Comically impressive. Yeah. So we cut together a bit where it's just him in the video, just rattling off, just like jump cuts through all these uh, moments where he was rattling off, uh, showing off his knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment where we didn't obviously go in planning to approach it from his, yeah, uh, not his viewpoint, but as him as the vehicle for the conservancy.
2: And and I think kind of to. Incorporate those two examples is that when we're tr- when we're putting together a, a video, especially if it's for a larger entity, we want to add you know kind of like a face to the organization, mm-hmm. um, you know a face to the name, and we and we want to add you know a character that we want to root for, that we have compassion for, you know that we want to follow, um, you know even after the video. Um, And uh, because we think that, um, you know, creates the best kind of form of storytelling where we actually we we don't have this kind of large entity that we're just kind of learning about. We actually have an individual, you know, a a human, a character um, that we connect with, hopefully, throughout the process of the video. Um, So for us, that gives us we are that's when we have the most fun with our videos and we and we find that that is the way that we, you know we can really connect with our audience
0: right the stuff that you didn't go in thinking you would mm-hmm. find or yeah. plan yeah that's what like, gets mm-hmm. us excited when we see yeah. that
1: well usually it's me annoyingly whispering in nick's ear as we're shooting <laughs> where i'm like this is gonna be yeah. great and i'm like i'm trying to keep this in focus <laughs> yeah right with the dogs i'm like get more of yeah. the dog <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like trying to shoot the shoot like a you know a pan or something that requires yeah. hyper uh, uh, concentration. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, that's what will happen though is that we'll start to see it while we're shooting. Yeah. That and and I'm sure I'm starting to picture the script and how it's going to come together in the storyline. Mm-hmm. He's probably picturing the edit process and how yeah. the, the visual part is coming together. And but that's the, like Nick said the, the is a really fun part when you start to see, okay, this is our way in to, yeah. it. this is how, this is going to, what is going to make this, this short doc, uh,
0: kind of click, you know, this mm-hmm. is going to make it, make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking back to the, the documentary that you'd mentioned about the dog. And so that was shown at the last issue release party. And, um, yeah, you're totally right. Like, I think it's something that viewers, um, unless they're into the technical aspects of filmmaking or writing like you guys are, they're probably not even aware of like, you're almost carrying them through the documentary with those emotions and things. And um, yeah, I had that thought. Like I immediately liked that guy because of the connection he had with his dog. And I was like, I have a dog at home. I want to go see my dog now because (laughs) I haven't watched this video. Yeah. And um, yeah, just the the skill and I guess the awareness of, of all the, the surroundings and the people um, that that must take is really impressive. Um,
1: well, it, one thing is we work with people that we or we or will recover subjects that we respect, so it's mm-hmm. it's a lot easier that way to find those moments because we are already starting with people who are at a certain level as far as principles and, and uh, what they're trying to do with their lives. So in that case, with Matt and his dog, we didn't have to stretch it too much to make him know- seem knowledgeable, quote mm-hmm. unquote. He was knowledgeable, and he was a he he was a great person to hang out with, and he was very passionate about what he was doing. Uh, yeah. But the dog just kind of got us there right. quicker. It just yeah. was a quick way mm-hmm. of getting us there, and it was just it was also a why not thing too. Right. Why not start here? Mm-hmm. You know. That's
0: cool. Yeah. So uh, the one question I had mentioned to you guys so that you could at least think about it beforehand um, was what is like a a favorite project or an accomplishment of your brother that maybe you're most proud of or most impressed by? Um, I'm wondering if we almost like found the answer or if if that, that has come from this project that you guys have collaborated on. I mean, is there anything outside of that or is it really just been this opportunity to like come together from both your kind of different um, areas of expertise and work on this passion project
1: well me sir go for it right.
0: yeah. well because from my end
1: because nick kind of talked about him but um the the probably the first thing was uh was going going to telluride to see a finding oscar was a moment for me where um you know at, for the two of us, this, this that was the biggest the, the biggest moment in filmmaking that either of us had experienced was mm-hmm. having a film at such a big event, and but then also just being able to go to a town like Telluride, which is just cool in itself. Being a part of that uh, film festival atmosphere um, was was really cool. Just a really cool experience, and have that to be to be part of that because your younger brother. Has a film there was just made it this whole other thing that um, was sort of hard to describe. But to to go to the screenings of of his film and have them taught like have his name mentioned on stage during the Q and A's and things like that. Uh, uh, But also have you watch this incredibly powerful story uh, on the big screen, which is something at this at this kind of event. Never mind what they say after, whether his name's mentioned or not. Just that experience of, of seeing the film there uh, live, so to speak, at that kind of event. And then reminding yourself that your little brother yeah. was a producer on it mm-hmm. is kind of like a, a surreal situation also. Um, so that was, I mean, you know, you linked that obviously as, your, as mm-hmm. you, one of your, your, a moment that you're proud of. But same, I mean, from the, from my perspective, how can I not also be proud of that? Um, and again, the, the 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 Larry Nassar project was something where I knew you were down there in Lansing shooting that for, the, and and I was following it in the news, and I right. knew you right there. That was happening so live for me, mm-hmm. and knew he was there during that whole process. And then. <laughs> Uh, I helped him categorize and, and sift through a lot of the footage, wow. um, so I watched almost all of it, um, and that really made it uh, didn't put me there, uh, you know, directly, but really made me appreciate what he had to go through to shoot that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it's going to be it's going to be an important project, um, and at the but at the time when he was shooting it, he didn't know it was going to be picked up by HBO. You know, he was working with a producer that he worked on some projects with before, but he wasn't there because he knew it was going to be on HBO. He was there because he trusted the producer and he knew yeah. that it was uh, a story that needs to be told properly, uh, and the way it was being told through the media, it was an important story uh, to come through. But there was a bit of a media frenzy, and and. It seemed like a, uh, as big as it was, it seemed like a flash in the pan, to everything else that had been going on mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, whether it was a Me Too movement or politics uh, of other kinds, so to be able to take that and then ha- and be able to dive deeper into that story uh, is going to be very important. But he wasn't there thinking that that's. What that, that it was going to be on HBO or something like that. You knew it was just an important thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that was a moment too where I was like, I'm glad he's there mm-hmm. doing that because uh, it's, it's, I think it's something to be proud of, uh, uh, a project to be proud of, you know, um, never mind the fact that it was just absolutely heart-wrenching to
0: experience firsthand. Right, yeah. And what about you and now that big bro has buttered you up a little bit (laughs)
2: um yeah i mean i think mine mine is a a little bit more like on the personal side um in terms of you know i i think uh we we've always had this really good connection and this really good relationship even though we're five years apart um growing up and and then kind of like you know living in la together and and kind of always flirting with that idea of working on projects together and we did a few smaller projects um but i, th- I think what i'm most proud of um in terms of like what we've done together and in our relationship you know outside of like you know personal being brothers um has been the boardman review and has been that project um um, and this is the personal side of it, especially in the context of uh, Chris starting a family, um, getting married. I mean, this has all happened in the last two years, right? Yeah. 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 Getting married, um, buying a house, having a kid um, nine months ago, um, and, and, and kind of like creating that, um, that very stable, very um, amazing family um, along with working on the most um, in depth, um, time consuming project that we've been a part of. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm incredibly thankful that he, you know, one, wanted to be a part of it and was so supportive of it from the very beginning, um, and two, has stuck with it, you know, even when. You know, we've had our brother tiffs, you know, and our fights and whatnot. um, You know, which usually you know end pretty quickly. But of course, you know, with any siblings, will happen. Um, But you know, it's just it's a feat into itself to um, kind of go through that process. um, You know, over a couple years, along with starting this probably our most significant joint project. Yeah. Um, and, And so you know, it's. It's um, kind of, you know, real life at its best, (laughs) uh, but in a good way um, and and in a very fulfilling
0: way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're making me think to my relationships with my brothers. So I have four brothers um, and I have a brother that's exactly five years older than I am. And then I have another one that's exactly five years below me. And then (laughs) the other ones are um, in there a little bit closer. But it was like for me, there was like a distinct transition with each brother, where they went from like just a brother to then actually like a friend. Like you hit a certain age where you're like, "Oh, now you're actually my buddy." Like you don't hate my guts <laughs> yeah. anymore because you kinda, you're older you and kind of catch up yeah. in terms of like your exactly you know, your age. And yeah, like. and so it's cool that that I think I assume that that's where you guys are at. I don't know that um, like a project like this could be pulled off if you didn't have like a, a mutual respect for each other and an appreciation for one another. Um, so I think just as I wrap this up, like, um, definitely indebted to you guys for the opportunity that you're providing me with my feature in the next issue, um, for coming on this podcast episode. When I heard about you guys at first, I was like, Ooh, these are some heavy hitters. I want to see if I can get them on there. And I I know that you guys probably don't feel like, like you're heavy hitters, but, um, it was something that I was really hoping we could make happen. So thank you guys Mm -hmm. for taking the time. Um, and then also just for giving other people a platform, I know that you've shared multiple contacts with me, of people that I could, uh, utilize for the podcast and things like that. So, um, I think the whole community, um, should be, uh, feel very lucky for the project that you guys are doing and just the light that you're shedding on, um, other creative people in Northern Michigan. So is there anything else you guys want to end with or? um, I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And like, mm -hmm. uh, i think you you
2: are a prime example of the people that we're really excited to be meeting um as we go about um you know uh working on each issue and um i feel like we've you know kind of luckily acquired friends over the last year and a half and and i think we're continually you know um becoming friends with new new and very interesting people who we work with um it's kind of like we work with them and then hopefully we're friends after that (laughs) yeah Yeah. in a very selfish way um (laughs) yeah we really
1: just did this to get to make more friends friends. yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that's only all we did
2: but yeah i mean you know uh You know, you you, you're going to be a part of our next issue, and hopefully, we'll continue to collaborate after this. And um, you know, our our next issue will be released on December second, and we're going to have a launch event at the Little Fleet at four p.m. on December second. And Taylor will be there, Um, and we'll have um, some other artists and live readings and some. Um, local filmmaking um, being on display, which should be a really um, special kind of showcase.
1: Um, And so it should be a fun event. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little, the little fleet has a a yurt set up outside and uh, we're going to have this artist, uh, Catherine Corden come in uh, and she's, we're going to turn it into sort of a mini gallery during the release. So after the program, you can go out and check out her artwork. Um, Part of her lake lovers, uh, Uh, collection, um, yeah. and yeah, we're going to be featuring a couple of short films, and that's something that we're trying to do more in the winter is to feature other people's work, oh, on, yeah. other uh, people's homeside, filmmaking, yeah, which we did last last winter. Um, we featured a documentary about um, the hurricane uh, uh, devastation in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. um, and entirely different, but uh, a really cool uh, couple of uh, short films. By John Paul Morris, yeah. Um, uh, Future Kings, which is um, kind of—it's a short film, but it's really sort of the intro to uh, hopefully a potential feature film that he wants to shoot. um, Him and his company, Practical. Yeah,
2: Um, a a very impressive like sci-fi
1: short. A very Um, impressive, yeah, extremely impressive work. He everything that he says, he 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 wrote also wrote a piece for our issue and as he says in that that everything um, that you see in it was uh, went through the camera nothing was CGI Um, which when you watch it and think about that it's very impressive he utilized miniatures and all kinds of things yeah practicals and 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 from a filmmaker's perspective you can tell when it's done without CGI still to this day Mm -hmm. Um, especially on the scale that he's working at you're creating a short film like that to essentially be um, uh, proof of concept for a larger film. Yeah, you're not working with large budget, but that is not apparent when you watch. Uh, hey. this, it's pretty impressive. Um, it really does feel like when it ends, you're pretty bummed because yeah. <laughs> oh you yeah. yeah, you want you want more and yeah, um, you're, so, yeah. you're bummed in the sense that the, you're waiting it really does feel like you're yeah. just yeah. you're hitting the the you get to the catalyst in the story essentially. Yeah. For a feature film, oh. and and you end there. Yeah. Um, and his other short, "Find Me Up North," is just this beautiful homage to Northern Michigan, just yeah. love beautiful. letter to Northern yeah. Michigan. Yeah, it's um, probably one of the most extensive four-minute <laughs> love letter videos yeah. I think I've ever seen of uh, showcasing this area. Mm. And, um, yeah. It was, and and it's uh, well written in the respect of the voiceover. Is well, very well written, and I'm pretty sure John was the one who wrote that. So yeah, we're sure. really excited to be able to do that to feature yeah. more yeah. of the film world in this area, uh, in addition to our own work. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome.
2: It it should be fun, and um, we're excited to be at little fleet. We were at Little Fleet um, last winter, but in February, not December. Um, and I I actually had to go it alone last time I was at Little Fleet because you know my older brother decided to have a baby that morning what? so um and i say my little brother decided to have a baby that morning i mean my little brother's wife had a baby that your morning. older brother's or sorry yeah. my older brother's she's, yeah had a little one yeah yeah had a little one yeah yeah i, I, had, yeah. Yeah, I didn't make um, any
1: decisions in the process but yeah it happened yeah yeah fiona and loud was born um the, in the middle of the night, right before our our issue release, yeah. so yeah. yeah, could not go. Uh, yeah. So I haven't, I have yet to have go have gone to a uh, an issue release at Little Fleet. So
0: <laughs> pretty excited yeah. to see it. And always. we have
2: a yurt this time, so yeah, how can we not
1: incorporate that somehow? You
0: gotta so, have it, yeah. yeah, you gotta use the yurt. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Before I forget, um, first I'll just say that if you have a love and appreciation for Northern Michigan or Michigan at all, um, or even just for people who are out there creating excellent things, whether that's art or poetry or writing, um, then you need to get on board with um, The Boardman Review. So where can people find out more about that or access that? Um, So you can go
2: to theboardmanreview.com and you could subscribe um, for free to our digital version. You can also um, buy a a subscription to our print issues. Um, You can buy individual print issues um, you can also get sample articles and watch our videos there. Um, so it's a good kind of source for, you know, getting a sampling of, of what we're putting out there. Um, and then you can, like, do our, you know, to do our social media push. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Boardman Review. Excellent.
0: Yeah, I love following you guys on there and reading all the stuff. And just the fact that that digital uh, subscription is free is amazing because you guys include all the photographs, the articles, um, and then the videos too. And so it's just awesome. So get on board with that um, stuff there. And thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Bye-bye.